Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. All right. We're on discovering hidden treasure number three. And um, looking through the Bible, that just is kind of what I titled this series because that's the way I feel like when I'm reading, reading the Bible is that there's all these hidden treasures in it. As a matter of fact, I feel like my Bible should be like the, as big as a warehouse because every time I open it, I find something new and that should, I, I just think, how can this be contained in this book? I mean, I, I'm, I just found this treasure that's worth so much more than anything that money could ever buy. And so I wanted just to Reread to you Colossians two three. It's kind of paraphrased, but I like the way that it that it speaks to me. So I just wrote that Colossians two three basically says that all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in His Word. I love that. All the treasure, all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in His Word. And what do we need more than wisdom and knowledge in every situation? And Foreknowledge, I mean, things that we can't even foresee or begin to understand or make a decision correctly upon, based upon even the facts that are in front of us. So we need that so much. And then I love Colossians 3.3 because it says that our lives are hidden in Jesus Christ. Our lives are hidden in the Word. So the more we know of God's Word... The more we know of Jesus, the more we really get to know who we really are. And I think of so many people that are searching for themselves and still searching for themselves. And um, they journal about what they think and they think about what they think and they do. I'm not at all making fun of any of that. I I am just saying that um, I've discovered that my life is hidden in Christ and the more that I've gotten to know him, the more I've gotten to know the real me, which is um, kind of gets buried in society and expectations and whatever and your family of origin and maybe your husband and maybe your children and maybe your job and maybe where you live. And, and, and it's just, it's like a, it's a great, great feeling to come out of that cocoon and go, wow, this is really who I really am. Not not a, a version of Christ, but um, by any means, but um, a person that God made, like each of you, that no one can replace. So it's like we've told our children before: if you're not you, then nobody nobody's going to be you, and God's going to be missing that part of creation that He needs. And so it's so important for us all to to get to know Christ, to get to know ourselves. We um, were just kind of walking along the beach mentally last time um, we met and looking at shells, picking up shells early in the morning. And that's what reminds me of the book of Proverbs. And I just call this treasure number four, and it's Proverbs 420. And I wrote it out in the New King James. It means a lot to me. It just says, my son, give attention to my words. Don't let them depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart, for they will be life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. And 
I like to look at things and breaking it down a little bit because um, we can rush through things so much that we don't catch the intricacies of, of a beautiful shell or a wonderful treasure and how much more the Word of God, which says something to us differently every time we say it. I can't tell you how many times I've said that scripture. I can't tell you how many times. Is it because I'm super spiritual? No. It's because I need it. You know? A lot of times, and I, I, I a lot of times people are like, well, how, how come you know so many scriptures about fear? And I'm like, because I used to be a fearful person. How come you know so many scriptures about anxiety? Because I used to be anxious. Well, how do you know so many scriptures about God's protection? Because I used to be always worried about my family and, and protection and provision. And, and so it's out of our own desperation and humility that we learn the word. And then it becomes truth in us. And it's so worth the investment. It's so worth it. God says, attend to my words. It's interesting in the King James that that literally means, um, when I looked it up in the King James and then looked it up in the Hebrew, that it means invest in. Pay attention means pay. So if you're going to pay something, it's going to cost you something. So, you know, even if, like, I'm a teacher, or I've been subbing out at San Antonio Christian High School, which has been hilarious. But anyway, I'm standing in the front of the room. And if I say pay attention, I'm saying it may cost you that you have to put your iPhone down. Or it may cost you that you have to stop doing your homework for the next class or whatever. That's such on a simple level. But God says pay attention to my word. And it's going to cost us something. And in this country, you know, it could cost us basically our time. Um, you know, we have a day that seems to be getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And you wake up and it's, you feel like, my goodness, I've been up since five and it's already whatever o'clock and kids are already coming home and my secretary's calling about this and my husband needs dinner on the table. And, um, or if you're a man listening to this, you can just, Put that all opposite and apply it the way you want to. But, uh, you know, it's just constant. It's constant. So in this country, yeah, sacrifice your time. But that's not going to sound like such a big deal when you look at other countries and what they're sacrificing to pay attention to the word and to be Christians. We may have to sacrifice our money. I know of a, of a man that I'm very, 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 very close to who... Um, when he first started out in his business, was told by his corporate boss that his corporate boss had lost his family and um, just his wife, his children, but that he had built up this huge corporation and it was worth it. And the next day, that man quit. And that man was my husband. So <laughs> He had no job, but a while, but he just didn't want to have to sacrifice that time. He he was willing to spend it elsewhere. He's willing to sacrifice the money in order to have that time with his family and, frankly, that time with God. We all need it. In other countries, attending to God's word and and being a Christian can cost you your family. Um, I I can go into detail. I wish I. It's not really what you see when you turn on the news. 
but I can go into detail of um, people being separated from their families simply because they became a Christian and or a family shunning you because they are of a certain religion and you become a Christian and you're dead to them. That would be the best case scenario in some countries because other countries, they'll literally go after you and take your life. And that's not something that happened 400 years ago. That's happening today. That's happening today. It may cost you your freedom. I can't tell you how many pastors are in jail in China. We don't hear about that. They're Chinese pastors. They're local. And they're usually out more in the country. But they're, they're in jail. And they've been in jail for Many, many, many years, some of them decades, and some will never, never get out. Why? Because they're Christian pastors not ordained by the church to say and do all the right things, but actually to go straight out of the Bible and say, this is who Jesus really is. And there's like a church sort of um, ordained government, um, it's okay church to go to. But it's not all the truth. And so to sacrifice all of your life, I mean, your family, your freedom. And then we look back and go, gee, I, I need to sacrifice my time. That makes me feel like an idiot. I mean, I don't know about you, but it does. It makes me feel like, okay, so I can wake up at 4.30 if I have to. I mean, that sounds extreme, but is it really extreme when other people are meeting in underground churches and doing everything that they can to just get the word in them and doing everything that they can to help their neighbor and to love one another and to really live like Jesus is coming back anytime, which he could be, very well could be. And so for us to do this, to pay attention to God's word is primary Um, You all may have heard on the news, I think it was probably about six months ago, that an Iranian man who um, was tried in a Muslim court who had declared himself a a Christian was killed because of his Christianity. Um, So it's all over. It's all over, and it's a lot of different countries. And thank goodness I'm not running for office, so I can throw out countries however... (laughs) I want to. I don't have to try to be politically correct or anything. Matter of fact, Jesus wasn't politically correct at all. And so a lot of times truth isn't. And we just need to be truthful and want truth. This verse, and I so encourage you if you brought a Bible or if you have a pen and piece of paper to mark it down in Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. We just talked about how it says to give attention to God's words. In other words, it's going to cost you something. It will cost you something. But it also says to incline your ear to my sayings. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, here's a good question. What have you inclined your ear to? You know, it's like, I mean, speaking as mothers again, when you first have a baby, you've inclined your ear to that baby's cry in case they need you. But today, what have you inclined your ear to? Have you inclined your ear to what might be said about you 
good or bad? Have you inclined your ear to kind of juicy gossip? And I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying, have you inclined your ear to the news? I know some people that watch the news all day long. I don't know how they do it and stay remotely happy, but they do. They've inclined their ear to needing to know the latest thing. What have you inclined your ear to? Think about that for your very own self. Um, One of the things that human beings incline our ear to that needs to be said is evil. We just do. I mean, we live in a fallen world and we incline our ear to evil. And when I was helping a lady get out of the satanic cult, um, people would ask me, well, what did she tell you? And what happened? And there was this fascination with evil. And I would always say, I don't want to talk about it because I want to forget about it. And even with her, I would stop her and say, you know what? That's defiling to me. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and I don't want to hear that. Why? Because I want to incline my ear to God's voice and not to evil. Um, And have I always done that perfectly? No, absolutely not. I mean, we've all gone through phases where we've inclined our ear to just negativity. Or we've inclined our ear to, you know, economics. Or we've inclined our ear to, you know, what do people think about me? Um, Because we're all born selfish and, you know, full of ourselves. And that's why we need Jesus, so we can be full of him. Um, This is kind of a really dorky example. But I have this little shelter dog named Yo-Yo that... um, what happened was our son, who's adopted, was at elementary school, and they had on the webcam that morning for the elementary school news um, two shelter dogs that needed to be adopted. And he happened to have a doctor's appointment that day, so he got in the car and he said, he, he, this is when he was, I think he was nine, he got in the car and he said, Mom, he has little raspy voice. You know how I'm adopted, and I and I said yes. I, I haven't forgotten that. Um, I'm, and I'm thinking this is leading up to something, you know, because I know with Storm, there's like some kind of a build up to something. You know, your kids. You know, some of them they don't know how to to work it, and others of them are like they can work it. And so he said, "There's this little dog that needs to be adopted, and um, he's brown too, Mom." I was like. Okay, so I've been totally set up. I said, Storm, we don't have time to go. No, no, he's over at the at the Sunset Ridge something across from my doctor's office. And you left us an hour to eat. So let's just go to McDonald's real quick and then go see him. I said, we are only going to go see him to make sure that he is okay. We are not adopting a dog. We have two cats, a fish, a Siberian husky, other animals at out in the hill country, we don't need any, in some of your sister's friends who I have put in the category of animals, and we don't need any more animals at our house. And so we went and checked on this dog, and I mean, he locked eyes with me. He's like part toy Manchester, part Dotson, part Chihuahua, and part human. 
And he just locked eyes with me and looked at me. He's been in, in a shelter, in and out of shelters, for three years. And there's a whole history on, on him. He, he lived in a, in a house where I believe the lady, um, they said that she was a, a hoarder, like hoarder of things. But I think that the, the emperor the infer that I got from that was that she was hoarding animals and so they weren't being taken care of. And so he and his brother were taken out of her home and then put in a shelter and then they were really close. And then his brother got adopted and so he got really, really sad and depressed. And basically, though, he'd been in this shelter situation for three years and so I became like his savior. Do you know what I'm saying? He inclines his ears to my voice. He inclines his ears to my car driving up in the driveway. Why? Because I'm his source. You know? I'm his source. I'm the one that loves him. I'm the one that feeds him. I'm the one that takes care of him. He loves the rest of the family, but he's inclined his ears to the source. That's what we need to do. Incline our ears to our source. Incline our ears to the one that really understands us. Incline our ears to the one that really is our provider above anything and everything else. Incline our ears to the one that can heal that which we never thought would be healed. Incline our ears to the one to which nothing is impossible. That's what we need to do. Every time I open the back door, there's yo-yo. And I'm thinking, I guess all he hears is the garage door open but he knows the sound of my car versus the sound of the four other cars. Because he's right there by the back door right when I come and not necessarily when anyone else does. So have you inclined your ear to God? And how do you do that? Well, that's what I got a little bit uh, befuddled on was, well, how do you do that? And then God is so great. He's so simple. He's so good. Took his took me back up to the scripture that we're learning, the back up to the treasure number four in Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. And it says exactly how to incline your ear. Number one, invest in God's word. It'll cost you something. But when you invest in God's word, you begin to hear his voice. Number two, don't let it depart from your eyes. Okay, my whole family makes fun of me, but I have sticky notes of scriptures everywhere. I have sticky notes of scriptures everywhere because I know me, and I know that my mind can wander. I I remember when I had um, leukemia, I even had um, scripture notes pasted in the bathroom because I didn't want to go to the bathroom and start letting my mind wander and think, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I'm taking chemo. I've given, I've been given a few weeks to live. I've had 37 blood transfusions. I feel awful. Da, 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 da. I, I wanted to be able to look at the word. Keep it in the midst of your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Don't let it depart from your eyes. And that's what, even if you're not reading it, like even if you're not reading it, that's what our imagination is for. Satan has so corrupted our imaginations. Our imaginations are for being able to have an image of God bending down and hugging a child. Have an image of God putting his hands on either side of your face and saying, I love you. 
just the way you are. Our imaginations are for us to be able to read scriptures and internalize them, which is number three. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Memorize them. Internalize them. Psalm 103 means a lot to me. Just bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not any of his benefits. Who forgives all of my sins. Who heals all my diseases. Who redeems my life from the pit. And crowns me, renews my life, redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and kindness and compassion. Another version also says that he renews your youth like the eagle. And there are days that I need to have an imagery of that. There are days that I feel like are the pits. And it's not because I can't find the right thing at the grocery store or I have a broken fingernail because I don't even have fingernails. Or something small, and I know it's not that way with you, and it's certainly not that way with people listening all over in different countries. Things can be so difficult, you can be backed into a corner where there is no way to run. And that's when we need to be looking and having our images and our hearts and our minds on the Word of God. So internalizing God's Word. For some reason, that word memorizing kind of like gives some people the creeps. I don't know what it is. I think it's maybe from school when when a lot of us memorize stuff and then kind of spit it up that day and then never remembered it again because that was a lot of the way that we were taught to do. All you need to do is pass this test and you'll never have to look at this stuff again. But when I say memorize, I'm talking about internalize, but with such a joy because it's not only going to change you, going to change your family it's going to change the people around you it's going to change the world it's going to change your relationship with jesus you have no idea you know because the word is alive so it's kind of like people will take the time to go and buy the right vitamin and take the right vitamin every morning believing that it's going to help their body how much more would god's word who created you, God who created you, would his word not go into your body and heal your body and heal your soul and heal your mind and give you wisdom and give you knowledge and give you direction and give you peace that surpasses all understanding. It's good. And then in in Proverbs 4.22 it says, For those words that are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. And I love the Hebrew word life because the root word is the word quicken. It will quicken. It will quicken you. It will revive you, recover you, sustain you, um, help you to live prosperously, live forever, restore you to life or health from sickness, discouragement, faintness, death, refresh you. Um, A Ugandan missionary told me several years ago in great detail about a girl who had died and was raised from the dead after days of being dead. Not in a coma, dead. I mean, declared dead and almost buried. And that's how the word of God can quicken us and revive us. There's nothing impossible with God. He's doing stuff all over the world. Right now, 
the enemy loves for us to just feel such a heaviness of like, okay, I have the upper hand and the world is evil and it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Well, not me. I mean, I'm going to believe God that he is good and that I'm going to see the goodness of God on this earth. I'm going to believe God that he will take care of my needs. Have I been through some pretty rocky times? Yeah. But, you know, I don't really reflect on those all that much. I use them as examples in speaking, but I don't look back and um, resent doctors or resent things that have happened or just look back on things that were horribly difficult because um, then that would be sort of what I'd be thinking on and, and where I would be and what I would become. It's like you can be in the most beautiful tropical paradise and if you're thinking negative thoughts or you're not thinking on God and how much he loves you and how everything is possible with him, then you might as well be, you know, someplace in a prison, in a cell, alone in solitary confinement because that's how much what we believe and and how we think affects us. We need to be quickened to wholeness. I believe that so much, you know. We need to be quickened to wholeness. And if I believe that the God that wrote the Bible through inspiration and who is the Word and Christ is the Word quickens me, I think about every time we hear the Word, we read the Word, it's doing something inside you. It's doing something inside you, not only inside perhaps your heart or spirit or soul or mind, But perhaps somewhere else that you don't even know needs refreshing, that you don't even know needs a complete cell turnover. And so we need to know that God is just quickening us and refreshing us. Um, Treasure number five, I love Proverbs 4.23. And of course it comes right after what we were just reading. And it just says to guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Keep your heart with all diligence. Wow. That word keep means to preserve, hide, guard. Watch over, observe. Do you observe your heart with all diligence? I mean, it kind of becomes a habit. And it's not so much that you're analyzing yourself all the time. It's more just, I was describing to a few people before everyone got here that um, when I drove my son to school, which the school is, is pretty far away, I had time to reflect on why do I not feel right with God? And ask him, what, what's the static that I feel? Because I don't like that feeling. You know, once you have peace with him, it's like you notice the static. And so he just so gently showed me. And then I asked for forgiveness and it's gone. Boom. I love that about our Savior. I love that about Christianity. It's not about guilt and condemnation and accusation and heaviness. It's about freedom. And 
We need to, though, guard our hearts. Um, this is usually from what I've experienced is sometimes I can guard my heart by listening to what I'm saying. Sometimes we don't even know what's in our own heart until we hear what comes out of our mouth. Wow. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you're thinking in your heart, you know, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, then you will be grateful, you will be joyful, no matter your circumstances. And I say that with all sincerity. I looked at the 11th graders that I, I teach on Sunday and said, I love to be near God and be out in nature and um, someone else said, well, that's because you can kind of forget about it all and just enjoy the sunshine and enjoy the birds singing. And I said, well, yeah, but I still hurt. My body still hurts. So how can you, if your relationship is painful, if you have a painful situation in your life right now, how can you still be joyful? It's what you think. Sometimes we just have to give everything to God in one big basket you know and sometimes I have to do that several times a day like here is all of it (laughs) because my basket I don't know about yours but my basket is really complicated it's usually very medically complicated it's usually complicated by things I've tried to fix so I have to go oh (laughs) I made this more broken here and I have to lift it up to him I, used, I mean, sometimes I just don't get it. I don't get what's going on. I have to lift that up to him. Otherwise, I'm going to be pensive all day and, and, and maybe sad all day or maybe trying to, quote, unquote, figure it out all day. Those are the three words that um, God removed from my language about 10 years ago. Isn't that crazy? I, I, I didn't know what was wrong with me until I listened to myself say, um, I just need to figure it out. I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay, well, I'll figure it out. Almost everyone I talked to on the phone or my kids or whatever the problem was, was I'll I'll just figure it out. God was like, why? Why don't you just give it to me and I'll give you the answer. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. And it's just been such a release to not have to figure it out. And there's still a lot of things that God hasn't given me any insight on. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things that I haven't figured out. And that is okay with me. That is okay with me. Because I trust Him. What are you thinking? What are you motivated by? We're looking again at keeping your heart with all diligence. Sometimes... Keeping our heart with all diligence has to be, what am I motivated by? You know? Am I motivated by fear of man? Or am I motivated by love of God? And you can usually know by what you say. I just, this is an easy example, but... um, Saying, I'm really stressed out. There's a lot going on right now at our house. And I feel like that we need to stay and be with the children tonight and just really immerse ourselves in their lives. But I'm afraid if we don't go to this party, people will forget that we are even around. Or 
the host and hostess will think that we're rude or they will not like it that we RSVP'd and now we're not coming. We need to be motivated by love and not fear. So the love that we have for our children, the love that we have for God, the love that we have should be our motivator for everything instead of saying, and you'll hear yourself say, I'm afraid that. Well, I would honestly tell XYZ, but I'm afraid that if I did ABC. How often do you say that? Or how often do you say, you know, I'm going to do this because I know that God, who is love, is motivating me. And he's going to back he's going to back it up and I can't have fear of man. That's like one of the worst things to have. Do you understand what I'm saying? I tell on myself all the time, but there, there was um, a baby shower that I was invited to, and I was just really kind of surprised I was invited to this baby shower. But anyway, it was one of those baby showers where you're like, wow, I wish I could go, but I couldn't go because I had ministry stuff to do. And so this is so embarrassing, okay? I dropped by a gift that's huge, That not not that I spent a lot of money, but that has to so-and-so from Kathleen Witten, just so that people that are at the party will know that, I yes, I was invited, I just couldn't make it. How shallow is that? And I teach the Bible. And I would love to tell you that was 20 years ago. It was more like five. I mean, we got to be honest with ourselves. Am I more conscious of what God thinks, or am I more conscious of what people think? Sometimes I have to just say, God, you know what? Help me to care more about my reputation in heaven. Just than anything else. Than my reputation on earth. Or even my reputation in my family. Sometimes your family may not understand you. Oh, really, Kathleen? My family always understands me. Uh, No, (laughs) I know that's not true. God does, though. Proverbs 4.24 says, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. You know, we we think of deceitful or we think of perverse. We think of um, maybe something that's perverted or that's bad or inherently evil. But when God says that, he's saying anything that's a deviation from his truth is perverse. Anything that's crooked or deviated or distorted is not the truth. And anything that's not completely the truth is perverse. And put that away from our mouths. Put that away from what we say, even over ourselves. Because once you know the word, and not that I'm still learning it, but when you get into it, there's a lot of things that conflict in my natural life in my natural circumstances that would be easier for me to repeat than God's word. But I learned and am learning to say God's word because he doesn't want that that deviation to come out of my mouth, even though it's happening. Does that make sense? There's a difference between facts and truth. Truth is God. Truth is Jesus Christ. Truth can change facts. It was a fact that I had a couple of weeks to live 12 years ago. But truth changed the facts. 
And I know that that's happened in many, many, many Christians' lives. We need to quit looking at the facts and look at truth. Look at what does the word say about this situation. I have this situation and I need to know what the word says about it. And ask somebody. Ask somebody that that knows the word. Say, you know, would you find some scriptures on what God has to say about this situation so that I can have my mouth be in line with what he says? Proverbs 4.25 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. I don't know why that cracks me up, have your eyelids look right before you, but it's like, um, I guess... If anyone has any great interpretation of that, let me know. But it's all throughout the Bible. Have your eyelids look straight before you. And it must be a meaning or an idiom meaning just don't close your eyes, but keep your eyes looking open and straight ahead. And then Proverbs 4, 26 says to ponder the path of your feet. Do you do that? I once told my mom that if there was like an aerial map, and this was years ago, and now I'm really mature and perfect, as you all know. Um, I once told her that if she, if there was an aerial map of like where my car went during the day and where my feet went in the house, it would be like the most skittish person you've ever seen in your life. And... It would be because I was always trying to do my list. And of course it was my list that was for other people, for the family, but it was still my list. I made my priorities and did my list. And sometimes that God would allow me to sort of like run myself ragged craziness. I mean, all over the place, in the car, out of the car, in the house, out of the house, up and down, this kid's school, that kid's school, then back to the office, then back to the grocery store, then you forgot something, then back to the grocery store, and then back to your kitchen, and then what did you in your bedroom for anyway? And then you're going back down the stairs, and finally, it was like, I had to ponder the path of my feet and say, to my relief, God, would you just schedule my day? And that was major, major breakthrough for me because we could, I guess, use the excuse of our personality types if you've ever taken any of those tests. But I'm kind of a, kind of, I'm naturally, without Christ, a type A, get it done, check it off the list, move forward person. And then you may naturally be like one of my children who will go unnamed, who is naturally a bohemian, paint your walls with permanent marker without asking your parents, procrastinator. Either way, you're not going to have peace at the end of the day. The only peace we're going to have is when we can lay our heads on the pillow and go, God, I trusted you that I would do today what you wanted me to do. And um, I didn't get this done or this done, so I just give that to you. I'm not going to be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and asking, with supplication, I'm going to make my request be known to you. And then I know that you promise that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. 
Do you ever just wake up in the morning and you feel like, like a stallion almost to be led out of a stall? Like, ready, go! I mean, and it's just like, how much can I get done in one day? Instead of being available to people. See, what does God really care about? My list? How much I can accomplish? If I've updated our website or not? which I don't even know how to do anyway, but if I've asked our administrative assistant to update our website or not, or if I've loved on one of his children. What does God care about? He cares about your heart. He cares about you spending time with him, which is going to cost you in other areas, may even cost you in friendships. Because, yes, we're going to have friends that are going to be like, well, you know, she's kind of gone off the, you know, she's just one of those, you know, you just need to have balance in your life. And she's way over on the, you know, I love Jesus. Yeah, just, you know, so that's okay. I am way over on the I love Jesus side because I'm a desperate woman. (laughs) I need him. And I have a joyful life. And it's not because it's a perfect life. I do not have perfect children. I certainly don't have a perfect body. I mean, I, I'm like probably 75% metal. For those of you that know me, I can't bend my back. I have 11 back surgeries. I hurt all the time. Um, I, I don't have perfect relationships. My only perfect relationship is with the Father. And I need that relationship. I need someone that understands me because there is so often that I don't understand myself. You know? It's like I want to change the world. I want to give money to that, that deserving young man that isn't going to go to college. And I want to give, give money to Food for the Hungry and World Vision. And, and, and I'm sure all of you do with different various things and time and volunteer and do things. But God also wants our attention. And then he'll direct our paths. He'll make our paths straight. It's like last week when we were talking about Proverbs 3, 5, where it just says, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, which is my inclination. Anybody else's? Am I the only one? I'm the only one that normally and naturally leans on her own understanding. Okay, well, y'all are really holy. Um, But in all of your ways, acknowledge him in everything you do. Okay, I'm going to the grocery store, God. This is your schedule, not my schedule. And if there's a person that comes up to me and they need to pray with me, I am not going to say, I'm sorry, you're not scheduled into my schedule. I'm going to talk to them and love them because that's priority to you. In all my ways, acknowledge him, and he's going to make my paths straight. He's going to make your path straight. As opposed to that zigzag path that I felt like that aerial, you know, whatever it would be, satellite, drone, would look down on me and and go, oh, my gosh, did you see the girl, what she did today? She spun a web. I mean, seriously, he will make our paths straight. He will make your paths straight. 
Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.